Funding for The Spark is provided by Capital Blue Cross, focused on creating a healthier future for our communities through innovations like Capital Blue Cross Connect Health and Wellness Centers, which provide in-person services and inspire healthy living. Learn more at CapitalBlueCross.com. The Spark is also supported by UPMC, offering a broad range of cardiac and vascular treatments in our community. More information is available at upmc.com slash centralpaheart. Has there ever been an economy that has so many mixed signals? Unemployment is near record lows, and there are many, many job openings. But at the same time, some of the nation's most successful corporations are laying off workers. Inflation is slowing down somewhat but it's still higher than it's been in decades. Gas prices have gone back up, then down, and who knows where they'll be next week. Consumers are still spending money, but interest rates, including mortgages, are up. Did the COVID-19 pandemic change what we thought we knew about the economy? Is our economy healthy or not? To answer these questions and more is Rio Teixeiro, Senior Outreach Economist in the Research Department at the Federal Reserve Bank of Philadelphia. Mr. Teixeiro, welcome to the program. Hi, Scott. Thank you for having me here. So let's start off with that question. Did the massive impact the pandemic have on the economy change how our economy works? Yeah, so uh, thanks for the question. And uh, before I answer your question, I do have to preface uh, the interview with the uh, you know standard Fed disclaimer that the views expressed uh, today are my own. So uh, yeah, let's take a step back and think about you know where we were before the pandemic. If you think about where our economy was before the pandemic, you know we had fairly low unemployment rates. Uh, our inflation rate was on target, uh, and uh, you know, pandemic changed everything, right? So, if you think about uh, where our uh, employment market has been, uh, you know, we've had some you know sharp downs uh, followed by uh, you know uh, substantially uh, quick recovery of the labor market, uh, and now we're dealing with uh, you know fairly high uh, inflation. So, uh, uh, yes, pandemic has had a substantial impact on the economy, and uh, in some ways, we are still recovering from that. So what about the statistics that people like you, economists, look at? Can the traditional signals be used to read the economy? Right. So we still do very much use a lot of the uh, statistics uh, uh, that we used to use. But, uh, you know, uh, you're right that, uh, you know, we have actually started using a lot of the data that uh, we didn't use to do, uh, before. And the reason for that is that, you know, the traditional type of data that we've been using uh, tend to lag. Uh, and as you can imagine, uh, when situations change so rapidly, uh, like it has been for the past couple of years or so, uh, you can imagine that, you know, looking uh, at things uh, that happened, you know, a couple of months ago uh, may not be as useful. So uh, during, the couple, during the last couple of years or so, my colleagues and I have been, you know, uh, using a lot of uh, new data, higher frequency data, in addition to some of the more traditional data that uh, we have uh, used before. So how would you describe the U.S. economy at this moment? Overall, I'm talking about. Right. I think what you said in the beginning uh, is uh, fairly spot on. Uh, we are seeing a lot of mixed signals. So, for for example, uh, if you look at what the current situation looks like, uh, you, know, uh, you know, on the surface, it does look like a very healthy economy. Uh, we have very low unemployment rates, uh, both at the national and at the local uh, levels. Uh, uh, inflation uh, is fairly high, which is, uh, you know, a byproduct of, uh, you know, a rapid, uh, you know, rapid expansion. 
but at the same time, we're you know, like you said, you were, we're hearing from uh, different sources about uh, you know potential layoffs, uh, you know slowdowns uh, and slowdowns of uh, you know business investments, uh, etc. So uh, yes, we are seeing mixed signals. Uh, while it looks like uh, the current indicators are looking strong, uh, growth indicators seem to be fairly slow, uh, particularly relative to the strong ex expansion that we um, uh, experienced back in 2021. Is there any part of the economy that has surprised you as an economist? I mean, something that you didn't expect or you, you're seeing for the first time? Well, um, it does look like, you know, during the pandemic, the first couple of years of the pandemic, uh, you know, whether we liked it or not, uh, consumers were spending more of our money on goods. And that mostly has to do with the fact that uh, either we're stuck at home, uh, we weren't able to travel, we weren't able to go out in restaurants. So uh, if you look at the spending data, uh, you know, up until let's say, you know, early 2022, uh, you know, a lot of that, you know, had to do with goods. And then, uh, you know, uh, once the COVID was uh, hopefully, uh, you know, uh, in the rear view mirrors, uh, it does look like a lot of people and a lot of households switched to uh, consuming services instead of goods. So uh, if you look at, uh, you know, spending patterns and where prices are uh, growing for the last uh, you know, eight to nine months or so. Uh, most of that has to do with, uh, you know, service spending. So uh, uh, in a way, uh, yes, it was a bit surprising uh, how how quickly the switch happened. Uh, but uh, on the other hand, uh, perhaps we should have expected that uh, as, you know, we had a lot of pent-up demand for uh, services like travel and restaurants. Does that explain consumer spending? Because let's face it, uh... 70%, I've seen figures, you tell me if this is accurate or not, that 70% of our economy is based on consumer spending. Consumer spending has continued throughout the pandemic, and now, I don't know if we can say after the pandemic, but at least in the last year or so, it's continued to be strong, and polls seem to indicate that uh, consumers are confident in the economy. So what explains that consumer spending? One, uh, I think there has been still a pent-up demand. Uh, as consumers, we have been uh, essentially, you know, forced to uh, alter our spending patterns uh, to, you know, uh, spend a lot of time at home uh, and buying goods, essentially, uh, to, uh, uh, to, you know, uh, go through the pandemic that, uh, you know, we've experienced. Uh, now that that's, you know, hopefully over, uh, you know, uh, it, it does look like people are, you know, going back to, you know, the things that we're used to doing pre-pandemic. It might be hard to think about what we used to do before pandemic, but, you know, if you look at the data, you know, people are back traveling by air, uh, people are back, uh, you know, going out to restaurants and bars, as the hard data indicate. Uh, so uh, there's still some of that. Uh, but, uh, you know, you bring up an interesting point about, you know, consumer spending. So the level of consumer spending has actually, uh, you know, kept up. Uh, but if you look at the growth data, particularly uh, if we adjusted by inflation, so, you know, this idea that uh, if we adjusted by price changes, uh, you know, the data for the past uh, at least 12 months has actually stayed uh, essentially flat, uh, meaning that uh, uh, when we think about uh, you know, if the question is, you know, are consumers spending? Yes, but is cons are consumers spending? Uh, is, is consumer spending growth happening? Uh, the answer seems to be no. Uh, the most part of last year. 
so inflation has had an impact on uh, on on uh, consumer spending because many people I don't know they, they seem to look at the the surface numbers and say ah consumer spending has has uh, you know continued to be good but what you're saying is that uh, when you factor in inflation it really hasn't that's right uh, and uh, you know I'm just only talking about the overall number right mm-hmm. so the composition within what people are buying might have changed uh, so the example I give us you know people may have switched from goods and services uh, over the past year or so but uh, the overall if you adjusted by inflation you know if you look at the graph for inflation adjusted uh, retail sales for sales for example uh, that has been essentially flat for uh, you know a fairly long time you know? Mr. Tashiro, let's start with inflation. Uh, it's been slowly going down, but still in the 6% range. So what do you see in the coming months? So the overall inflation data suggests that uh, the worst may be behind us. Uh, the worst, uh, the high, the peak of inflation uh, might have hit you know, a couple of months ago. And uh, gradually, it's, it does look like the overall inflation has... Uh, being uh, more relaxed uh, for the last couple of months or so. Uh, when you look at the underlying key drivers of inflation right now, uh, much of that has to do with the uh, increase in prices of uh, what we call core services, uh, particularly, uh, you know, rent and homeowners, co-owner rent, so essentially shelter. And, uh, you know, if you look at the, uh, you know, home price growth, uh, you know, rental uh, market, et cetera, uh, the real-time evidence suggests that, you know, even those prices are starting to, uh, you know, uh, not, full, but, you know, starting to uh, increase at a much lower rate. So uh, there might be some lagging factor in terms of data, which is which is uh, which explains why we haven't uh, you know seen in the data just yet. But uh, unless something major occurs to reverse the course, uh, it does look like uh, we should expect uh, even uh, inflation on things like, you know, a shelter, uh, you know, should go down uh, in the next couple of months or so on, on the overall data. You know, that line you just use, unless something major occurs, uh, a few years ago would have been just a throwaway line. But now, after the past three years we've, and the war in Ukraine and everything else, we, we kind of have to say that may be an important phrase, right? That's right. Yeah. I mean, if you think about how the economy has what, what we have been experiencing in terms of the economy, you know, uh, COVID, uh, for, of course, one of them, war in Ukraine. Uh, and then last year, you know, we thought COVID was over and we had, you know, Omicron. Uh, so let's not forget that we're still in the middle of global pandemic. So uh, it is entirely possible, knock on wood. But, uh, you know, we might have something in the future that might, uh, you know, severely impact the economy. You mentioned that uh, rents are high and that's one of the reasons that, uh, you know, shelter is uh, driving inflation right now. Early on, uh, when inflation really did increase so much. It was energy, gas prices, for example. It was food. Uh, we still hear a lot of people talking about the price of eggs, for example, and uh, mm-hmm. other other food items. But why are rents so high? And, and you just mentioned it. You, you see some leveling off in that area. Uh, so, I mean, just with anything else, uh, you know, it's a classic story of demand and supply, right? So if you think about, uh, you know, uh, supply, for example, uh, we've seen, uh, you know, supply of, uh, you know, shelter being either fixed uh, and has not really increased for the past couple of years or so. Uh, when we look at the, um, you know, construction data, uh, there is some evidence to suggest that, uh, you know, uh, they are, you know, builders are building apartments right now. But of course, you know, that's not, uh, you know, we're not going to be able to 
put people there immediately until after those uh, projects are complete. So that's not going to solve the problem right now. So on the supply side, uh, it does look like we're still dealing with the you know short supply uh, of the um, you know of rental properties. And then on the demand side, you know people are you know demanding uh, perhaps uh, more space. Uh, you know we are seeing on the data clearly indicates that more and more people are uh, you know working from home. Uh, more and more people are working from free more frequently. So. Uh, it's not surprising if uh, people, for whatever reason, uh, demanded, uh, you know, bigger space uh, in, uh, you know, certain areas of the country. So um, as we have, you know, higher demand for certain commodities and, you know, a constant or even lower supply of the same commodity, uh, the result is unfortunately uh, higher prices. The Federal Reserve often says it shoots for an inflation rate of 2%. Uh, as I mentioned, uh, it was, you know, it's around 6% now, actually went up a little bit in, in, in January, but that 2% seems a long way off. Is it? So... <laughs> Uh, it is, uh, it is, uh, and uh, which is why uh, you know it makes sense uh, for uh, you know, monetary policy to you know keep pushing uh, for uh, higher interest rates to uh, make sure that uh, inflation is under control. Uh, but you know we also have to remember where we were in terms of inflation. Uh, you know back in the summer, inflation was much higher than. Uh, it is right now. So we're starting to see inflation, you know, uh, calm down a little bit. And uh, uh, I do believe in, uh, that, you know, we're doing the right thing uh, to, uh, you know, tame inflation. Uh, so we, it might feel like, uh, you know, uh, it's still far away, but, uh, you know, uh, we've, we've made, uh, you know, uh, clearly we've made progress uh, on that area uh, in the past, past couple of months or so. This is a, an economy 101 question, but uh, the Federal Reserve has increased interest rates to try and bring inflation under control. What's the thinking behind that? Right. So uh, usually uh, higher interest rates uh, is associated with uh, you know, uh, businesses and people uh, being discouraged from borrowing and spending. Uh, so uh, as the interest rate go up, uh, the thinking here is that, uh, you know, the money that you have to pay for things like auto loan, credit card loan, uh, mortgages, etc. cetera, uh, you know, all of these become more expensive, uh, which is, you know, uh, which in theory, uh, you know, basically uh, makes people, uh, think twice about, you know, uh, borrowing uh, a particularly large amount of money. And so uh, it, when that happens, you know, uh, you can imagine that, uh, you know, spending, uh, you know, slowly goes down. Uh, and in turn, uh, you know, that should slow the whole economy. As you mentioned earlier, you know, uh, you know, uh, consumer spending is about 70% of our GDP. So uh, the thinking here is that as people uh, get discouraged from uh, borrowing and spending, uh, you know, that should translate to people uh, basically slowing down on purchasing goods and services. But doesn't it also lead to fewer jobs and higher unemployment? It does, uh, which is why, uh, you know, Federal Reserve's dual mandate uh, both uh, asks us to consider maximum employment uh, as well as price stability. So uh, it really is, uh, you know, sort of this balanced act between uh, how can we uh, bring down inflation uh, without, uh, you know, sharply increasing unemployment rate. And uh, if you look at the data, uh, you know, it does look like the U.S. Uh, labor market is still fairly resilient. Uh, I think we were all surprised by the January job report where where we had, uh, you know, very very low uh, unemployment rate, uh, you know, uh, even lower than what we saw pre-pandemic, uh, almost ha more than half a million jobs added. So uh, it does look like even uh, if uh, even uh, as we uh, you know continue to increase interest rates, uh, you know, unemployment.
unemployment rate uh, in job market uh, is, uh, you know, is, uh, you know, looking fairly healthy for now. You know, so much of this is intertwined. If a person has a job, they're more confident in spending money, hence consumer spending and having that confidence in, in, in the economy. Um, and so you wonder if uh, the higher interest rates lead to more unemployment, whether that also uh, would impact consumer spending. Higher interest rates also mean mortgage interest rates are higher. And uh, right now, uh, credit card interest rates, house prices are going down as fewer pr- people are buying. But housing is one of the biggest parts of the economy. So how does this all work when it comes to housing and higher interest rates? So uh, the evidence is fairly clear. Uh, as, uh, housing is one of the markets that uh, immediately, almost immediately uh, responded to increases in uh, interest rates, where, uh, you know, if you were to plot the interest rates, uh, you know, together with the mortgage rates, you know, they, go, they went up, uh, you know, fairly closely as soon as the uh, interest rates started going up. Uh, and it is also true that, uh, you know, housing market has slowed down substantially. Uh, what we do have to remember, though, is that, you know, everything is all relative, right? So uh, home prices are slowing down, uh, but, uh, you know, slowing down relative to past summer uh, when we were uh, kind of expecting double-digit growth, uh, you know, every month, right? Uh, now, uh, you know, if you look at the latest data, you know, we are seeing uh, 5 to 6% growth overall at the national level, uh, some higher, some lower, depending on where you look at. But that's still a pretty high growth compared to where we were, uh, you know, before pandemic. Before pandemic, when I used to talk about housing market growth, when we saw 3%, 4%, you know, that I used to consider really good numbers. So I think context is important. Uh, I do think that housing market overall has slowed down from the peak, yes. Uh, but uh, um, I don't want to send the, a signal that, you know, housing markets, uh, you know, it has, you know, gone down uh, in, in any way. It does look like it is slowing down, but, uh, you know, uh, prices are still going up. So what many Americans based the health or their perception of the health of the economy on very early on uh, was gas prices. Uh, And when gas prices went up over the summer last June, up to five dollars a gallon on average across the country, uh, now down in the 360, 375 range, something like that here in Pennsylvania, a little bit higher. but what's with gas prices? I mean, is there any way to forecast what the price of gas is going to be next week, a month from now, six months from now? Right. Um, any gas prices and energy prices in general, uh, this is one of those, uh, you know, very uh, you know specific commodities that are depending on demand and supply. Uh, so it is very hard to interpret uh, what it means. And as a matter of fact, uh, you know, the reason, uh, the volatility of, you know, energy and food prices uh, is the reason why, uh, you know, we as economists sometimes like to, uh, you know, strip out prices, price changes in those sectors. Uh, and so that's why we call them, uh, you know, uh, when we exclude them, we, uh, you know, call them core uh, inflation. So when we, when we think about uh, the underlying, uh, you know, uh, cost of inflation, you know, we often like to, uh, you know, basically take, exclude gas uh, and uh, and food just because, uh, you know, things are so unpredictable in that area. So, um, yeah, it does have to do with, uh, you know, demand and supply. And, uh, you know, there's really no, uh, there's, I, I don't have any insight on how we can predict, uh, you know, what the gas prices will be next week. Economists seem to be divided on whether there is a recession on the way. What are your thoughts? Well, if you look at the um, uh, the current indicators uh, of you know where the economy is headed, uh, you know things are fairly 
you know, healthy. Uh, I do think that the recession, probability of recession has, uh, you know, uh, increased quite a bit. Uh, you know, compared to last summer, but uh, it's I I don't in my opinion I don't think uh, you know we're going to see recession uh, you know next month or even a month after that. I think uh, with the particularly with the uh, labor market this strong, uh, you know, it, it is going to take uh, you know uh, much longer for the economy to you know start seeing uh, you know much uh, you know more weaknesses. Uh, so um, you know, of course, you know, with the business cycle how it's been going on, I, I do think that you know recession. Uh, uh, you know, uh, unfortunately, uh, is coming at some point. Uh, but is it imminent? Uh, my answer uh, would be no. In the 60 seconds or so we have left, uh, what would a recession look like? I mean, we talked about some of the unique characteristics of this economy, but this would seem to be kind of a uh, unique recession. What would it look like? I think uh, when we do see another recession, uh, you know, either later this year or maybe next year, uh, I'm uh, certainly hoping that it will be a you know mild and short-lived recession. And the reason for that is, again, uh, you know, the economy, the fundamentals of the economy right now looks fairly strong. You know, prices are still going up. Uh, despite the fact that uh, you know we're, we've been we've been uh, you know increasing interest rate for quite some time, so um, you know certainly it's my hope that uh, you know the recession, the next recession, will be mild uh, and short. And in thirty seconds or less, so what would a consumer, what would an American see from a recession? Uh, I would say uh, slightly higher unemployment rates. Uh, un- unemployment right now at the national level is you know three point five four percent. You know we may see uh, you know a few a percentage point increase in unemployment rates, uh, and then of course uh, within uh, with the recession, you know inflation uh, in theory should be uh, tamed by then. So uh, you know uh, still increasing prices, but uh, at much. Uh, slower rates. Rio Teixeira with the Federal Reserve Bank of Philadelphia. Thank you very much for being with us today. My pleasure. Thank you.